Influencer Impact is a weekly podcast featuring industry experts discussing B2B influencer marketing and dark social. Whether you're new in your role or a seasoned pro, you'll learn new strategies and tips featuring host Justin Levy and an industry-leading influencer, marketing, or dark social thought leader. Each week, you'll learn from brand leaders, strategists, practitioners, and other industry experts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Influencer Impact. I'm Justin Levy, and today I am joined by a very good friend of mine, Mr. Lee Odin. Thank you for joining us, Lee. Hey, it's great to be here, Justin. Great to uh, talk with you. It's been a little while. It has, and we'll see each other in person for the first time in many a years. Yeah, next week, Marketing Profs B2B Forum. I'm excited. Uh, it's going to yes. be a good event. Absolutely. Now, can you tell the listeners what you do by day, a little bit about your company? Yeah. Um, well, I'm see- <laughs> I was just thinking, um, <laughs> all duties as assigned. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, the job description for someone who is uh, in charge, I guess. Uh, CEO and co-founder of Top Rank Marketing. We are a B2B marketing agency and we help companies, we help large enterprises, especially um, B2B technology companies get more customers. Um, we do that through content. We do that through SEO and social and through activating influencers to, to create content. Now, one of the areas that I think very interesting these days is that you and I have talked about B2B influencer marketing for a long time now. It's, I know when you and I were going back and forth over email, you happen to say the agency has written 250 blog posts over the years. <laughs> Why do you think that it's still now the new thing, it's the thing that is the hot topic or the hot job in the industry when it's something that's at this point, probably eight to 10 years old. Well, you know, being a, a guy, a, a person who's been in the business for a long time, I've been able to observe the emergence of various tactics and uh, approaches, strategies, you know, like all the way back from you know, when SEO was new and when content was new, social media was new and every, and every, and in the case in B2B uh, or, or influencer marketing, um, same thing. Um, I think until there is a momentum of monetization in a tactic, you're not going to see super wide adoption. Right. And that is starting to happen in the B2B influence space, right? So initially, like maybe, you know, we started doing, started getting paid by companies like Dell and SAP and whatever, uh, just under 10 years ago, first for, for um, finding and activating industry experts to co-create content um, for, for brands. And 
back then, 90% of those influencer relationships were organic. It, the value exchange was exposure for contribution, right? Or contribution for exposure and only about 10% were paid outright. Well, now it's closer to probably 50-50. Um, and so I think it's perceived as a new thing just because a lot of marketers look at paid media as what can they grab for and execute on in a familiar way, right? And, you know, there's really not a lot of marketplaces to go, you know, search for influencers on a B2B uh, sense, um, you know, there's in the way that you can do paid search or paid social, right? Um, and, and But but it's starting to grow and the market is starting to mature and more and more case studies and success stories are getting out there um, about how effective it can be to partner with people who already have the trust and attention of your audience to make content that's actually useful for that audience. Now, you've had the opportunity to kind of straddle these two areas, I think. One as an influencer, you know, over your years, whether that's speaking at events or different things you've been involved in, but also running this agency that works on influencer campaigns that builds these and, and, you know, works with both the brand as well as the influencers that you engage. What would you say companies typically get wrong when they <laughs> approach, when they either approach you as an influencer for some reason, or yeah. when they engage with the agency? Yeah. Yeah, I actually wrote a post. Uh, well, I, I collaborated with other influencers to create a post uh, along the theme of 50 ways to leave your lover, 50 ways to fail <laughs> at influencer engagement um, based on the answer to your, your question. So I think um, one of the first things and the most egregious uh, things that companies will do is uh, they will they'll tell the influencer they're important and so that is why they want to work with them, but they will treat them as a commodity, right? Uh, you know, we'd love to work with you. You're so important. You know so many things. Uh, you've done this and that, and that really aligns with who our, what our audience is interested in. So let's partner on this thing. And then they treat it as a very transactional thing. And I don't mean a transaction as far as, hey, here's money. Do the, you know? Will you take this money and do this thing for us? They'll just treat everything transactionally, and uh, you know that's that's not a fun experience. So there's a, I think the pain point here that's easily solvable if people would just think about influencers the way they think about their customers, and that is to think about influencer experience the way you think about customer experience, right? Um, so things that branch off of this are things like irrelevant asks. You know, I just got asked if I wanted to be on a podcast that was all about um, outbound sales. That has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I, and in fact, I, I inbound sales would be more relevant thing. You know, uh, creating demand such that people actually want to do business with you, even though you've never talked to them before. Yeah, that's that's what we do, not you know, cold call. Or, or whatever, um, just as an example. So of course, you know, there's no reason for me. And if they send me another pitch that's actually relevant, there's a good chance I'll just delete that too because I have this memory. The first contact left an imprint. Um, 
And um, so I think, yeah, lack of inf- lack of experience, lack of treating people like they're special or that they're, you know, important in the context of why you're asking them, but also, you know, irrelevant asks, um, not personalizing communications, uh, not saying thank you, <laughs> no follow up <laughs> at all after the thing is published that you ask them to help you make and then nothing. <laughs> until the next time they need you. And then they say, hey, six months ago, you helped us with this thing. Will you help us again? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. You know, I'm actually working with your direct competitor now. So maybe not. One of the areas that I think is baked into all of that, and I know it's something that is near and dear to your heart and to the agency's uh, heart, the way that you guys like to work, is to build longer term relationships with yeah. the brands that you're working with. Right. And that, yeah. that's not on the, con, you know, continuing business side, you know, the agency working with the brand. Yes, of course, but it's helping to coach the brand that they need to form long-term relationships. So they aren't transactional yeah. with the actual influencer. Do you, agree with that? I, I do. I do. And actually, we developed an influencer marketing maturity model specifically for B2B years ago, five, six years ago, that kind of talks about that. Whereas, you know, at an entry point might be experimentation. Um, an evolution of that might be, okay, we're working with, you know, similar influencers uh, from time to time, but only on campaigns when we need them. And then, and I'm oversimplifying here, but the evolution from that would be developing an influencer community. And that is an always-on approach of relationship building. You know, it's kind of like romance, right? We want the influencer to fall in love with us. When you fall in love with someone, you know, it's like you make a lot of decisions differently than if you're just friendly or you're an acquaintance or you don't know them at all, right? And so values alignment, um, mutual value, you know, something we're making something bigger than us, you know, bigger than you, bigger than my brand. We're doing something good for the industry. A lot of those different things play differently with different influencers. But in the end, you're trying to create a feeling, not just an intellectual reason. And that's where this notion of relationship comes into play. It's a business relationship. But at the same time, you know, I have people on my team, like Debbie, for example, um, you know, I get comments all the time. Like Debbie is, um, I'm from influencers. I get comments all the time. Debbie is amazing to work with. She's so organized. She's so this, she's so that. She takes care of everything. I go to an event, you know, for one of your clients and she just takes care of everything. It's amazing. And so they feel something and that's part of the relationship, right? So I totally agree with you. Um, and uh, I'd also say, you know, you're, you're talking about, what um what what people do wrong what companies do wrong obviously there's a lot of stuff on the data side and the software side we maybe get into that different question there's that they're doing wrong like they're not using data they're not using software <laughs> <laughs> they're they're just shooting from the hip that's something i see a lot of brands doing wrong too um but again that might be a different question well if we can hit on it now well metrics are always going to be different based on the outcomes of that campaign. Yeah. You know, it might be downloads of an ebook or, you know, brand awareness, different areas of that funnel. Are there consistent metrics 
that you think every brand should look at? You know, it's always, we'll look at these top five, no matter what we do. And then we'll look at these specific ones for that campaign. Yeah. And I'm really glad you bring up that there are some, you know, that, that, that metrics are specific to the program, right? Because a lot of people do think that there are only generic metrics and that's all there is to it. Um, so yeah, I think there are some universal truths to go after if you're collaborating with industry experts or even internal experts for that matter to help identify or uh, uh, effectiveness, right? Um, so obviously with any content marketing campaign, you've got the standard things, right? How do we attract? How do we engage? How do we convert based on that content? But then we can associate to what degree did influencers move the needle on any of those metrics, right? Um, to what degree did, you know, when we look at influencer specific metrics, we're looking at things like, um, you know, we have a benchmark measurement on how the influencer talks about our brand or the key topics that we want to uh, elevate or create um, affinity for. Um, like I'm thinking of smarter GTM, right? So just, just, just to pick a, a concept, right? So if I had a benchmark measurement of like, okay, amongst this 12 people, they, they're not, two of them are saying smarter GTM and the brand name once in a while. And then after a sequence of activations and engagements, now we can see that all of them are mentioning smarter GTM in the context of the brand at least once a month, once a week or whatever, right? So that kind of um, measurement, I think, should always be true when it comes to working with influencers to see if they are talking about the ideas you're trying to, as a brand, become more influential about. But of course, there's always a point in comparison. You've got to have a benchmark for that. And then you measure it ongoing. Um, and you're also going to talk about, or look, I'm talking about, you're also going to measure to what degree does uh, the brand content the influencer is sharing resonating with their community, with their audience? Are you getting second and third level sharing or propagation you know what I mean? Um, so if you have those encoded URLs you're giving each uh, for each influencer and they're sharing stuff, you'll be able to tell whether that um, is is resonating with their community, you know, or not. Um, so obviously the net um, lead gen KPIs, whatever for the content. Yeah. And then segment that out by influencer. You know, how many did Justin get how many sales do we get because justin shared stuff how many sales do we get because elise shared stuff right if if we can figure that out if we can you know in, uh, encourage the influencers to share the urls that are encoded that allow us to, to identify those things and that would be the ideal and we should do that every time now i i recently had someone con comment on a piece of content that i posted and they said that Brands only work with influencers to increase revenue and that essentially brands will only work with influencers as long as they continue to grow their number of followers, meaning the influencer will continue to become, quote unquote, more influential based on their followers hmm. and the brand will only work with them if they drive more revenue. I know my reaction to that, but what's yours? Well, obviously revenue is a very important business metric, but there are lots of other things that your sales team um, and your organization can benefit from 
due to influence or activation, like shortened sales cycles, order volume and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but there's, what about the brand, you know, brand preference, you know, if I, I'm willing to charge, I'm willing to spend twice as much money with you, Justin, and the company you work with, because the people who are talking about you are people I trust. And this other company that's spending all this money on advertising, I don't even like the ads. I don't pay attention to the ads. And I know they're the big winner. No one gets fired when they hire that company, right? But I don't care because the people I trust, I, that, so when the time comes, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to probably buy from them or maybe it in the interim, it's not time for me to buy yet, but I'm going to say nice things about your company. I'm going to tell my friend who's asking that private group that we're a part of, Hey, does anybody know a software company that can help me do this? And I go, well, yeah, this company, your company, Justin, uh, I'm, I'm going to recommend your company because I have a good feeling about you. That was in part contributed by people who are experts in the industry talking about you. One of, I completely agree. One of my reactions to that comment that was left mm. was also that it's not just based on total followers, right? Oh, it's, well, yeah, obviously. It, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's based on a lot of other factors because you can have, you can have a nano or niche influencer who has, 200 followers i mean drive it all the way to the lowest number but drives more engagement than that you know macro or mega yeah. influencer that has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers right and people people fall into this advertising equivalency trap sometimes um i know people in pr have been fighting against this for years and the same thing is kind of true in influence and and yeah of course you're right as far as who's influential it's obviously not measured just by the number of people following them. Um, it's also measured by, you know, as the, some of the metrics I mentioned before, the degree to which what they say resonates with the audience, uh, how relevant they are. You know, if you look back at each of our, let's say we looked at our blog posts uh, or, or our social media from five years ago, were we talking about the exact same stuff five years ago as today? And people have called both of us influencers and about, about things that we publish. So it's important to understand that influence is a temporal thing. It's not a, okay, I achieved a thing and therefore I stay at that level indefinitely. Oh no, you earn it every day and your interests change. Influencers' interests change. Their areas of focus change. So yeah, you're right. Uh, data used to... I, both both identify and qualify influencers as relevant for a particular brand or a particular product offer or initiative have to be determined um, on more than follower count. They've got to be turned uh, determined by qualitative measures as well. Because if you if you walk into a room if if, if you walk into a room and you talk and, and there's only five people in the room and one of them buys from you, well that's great. If you walk into a room and there's a thousand people and only one buys from you, it's like, it doesn't matter, right? One, right? You got, you got the sale. It's, I love that you say that. And I was just talking to a mutual friend of ours, Jason Falls, mm. about this, this exact, exactly what you said. And it was that Chris Penn said in a, at a conference or something I was at with him, probably almost 10 years ago that 
it was this conversation about followers on Twitter and, and all of that. And he said something to the effect of if you make a product that only three or five or 10 people can afford or need, that's the only followers that you need to influence on Twitter. You don't need that 11th or that 21st follower. You need those three or five or whatever that number is because your goal is to influence them to buy. Right, right. And, you know, it's interesting. Today, there's this content, this proliferation of content, right? We're all empowered to publish and there's just an overwhelming amount of information. Um, I wish I had this stat in front of me because I used it in a, in a presentation. It was uh, something like 64 million pieces of content every day or something crazy like that. I don't know. E-marketer put it up. But the point is, there's a lot of content out there. So from an influence standpoint, we in a competitive category, we have to think about influencing the influencers as well. You know what I mean? And in B2B, we also have to think about those buying committees and the longer sales cycles. So it becomes a little more, well, you can get more um, complicated or sophisticated if you want to and start targeting not only who the buyers are and influencing them, but thinking about, okay, where are they getting their information? You know, a lot of folks, and you know, in the ABM business, you have these ideal customer profiles and you can map out these different sources of information for that ideal customer. Where are they, what are they, you know, who do they subscribe to or what do they subscribe to? What do they read? What do they search on? What do they talk about on social? What special interest groups or committees or you know, associations do they belong to? And you can map all that out and you can start to think, okay, influencers can actually play a role in some of these channels, but in terms of how we can influence the influencers themselves, whereas maybe 10 years ago or five years ago, we didn't, we could go right to the customer and that was it. Absolutely. Something that I've seen over the years, I'm sure you have, especially as you work with clients to find the right way to engage uh, different audiences. If you were to step back several years ago, if you were an influencer, you were an influencer, generally speaking, right? A social media influencer for the lack of a kind of better phrase. But now as time has gone on, it's per channel for the most part. You can be an Instagram influencer, or TikTok mm. influencer. One of the areas, and it makes sense because it's B2B, uh, mostly that we've seen is really this rise of the LinkedIn influencer. They might not be an influencer per se on Twitter or, or Instagram. You know, those are other channels that they use. Have you st started to see that when you're working with your clients? Do they want this built-in LinkedIn audience specifically? Are they asking for that? What they're asking for is the people who can best help us create the kind of content that our customers want that have relationships with audiences that represent our customers. And obviously in a B2B scenario, LinkedIn is always part of that conversation, right? If you're in business, you're doing business on LinkedIn, right? It's just a and I'm biased because you know we're we're we work with LinkedIn. Actually, you know what? We just celebrated nine years of uh, awesome. having LinkedIn as a client. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think uh, as far as, you know, we see these folks borrowing from B2C and, 
you know, quote unquote, calling themselves a LinkedIn influencer. That's fun. That's interesting. I don't know how seriously I take that. But um, in terms of people who have legitimate domain expertise in a field, uh, in technology or whatever, and LinkedIn is one of the places where they have attracted a substantial audience and they also publish there. Well, yeah, that's a no brainer to uh, invite that person to create a relationship with a person like that. One of the areas that is very difficult about LinkedIn that's not so mm. on the other networks, and <laughs> I, I think you know where yeah. this is coming, yeah. is measurement. Measurement of conversation, measurement the actual metrics. How does your team do that? And for those that aren't aware of this, it's because of how closed LinkedIn's API is. So you can't use a listening tool or metrics tool to pull the same data that <clears throat> access the fire hose and Twitter allows. Yeah. So in, in, <laughs> in our case, um, obviously anything advertising, there's all the metrics you'd want with that. Um, so I'll just say that, you know, it's, it's, that's no different with LinkedIn as with any other social platform that offers advertising opportunities. Um, when it comes to, so, so what we do is we, we get access to uh, individuals. So we work with a lot of executives for our clients and um, not always, but, um, or the brand channel and we'll get access to that or we'll partner with someone at the brand that has access to that channel. And that's where, we'll, you know, you have to be logged in that it comes down to, you have to be logged in and you have to do manual work. Uh, to, to get some of the measurements that we're looking for. And even then, we're not able to get the same kind of measurement we would if there was open API access, right? Um, so that is a challenge. And, um, but at the same time, you know, uh, we are able to measure um, satisfactorily um, a lot of the things we do on LinkedIn one thing that's different we do on LinkedIn as opposed to with a lot of other social channels, a lot of other social channels, we are still trying to invite people to click away from the promotion on uh, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook um, or, uh, and, 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 and go land on a brand destination of some kind where there's some really great content for them to consume. Increasingly, what we're doing is we're, we're doing stuff on platform with LinkedIn. We're actually... Uh, creating the engagement so it, it, it occurs on LinkedIn. Now, there's no form fill exactly per se, but um, we're part of the programs involve activations or engagement, customer engagement, I, I'll say, um, that happen on the platform. So there is an invitation to send them elsewhere. It, it's meant to keep them on. And so that's obviously top of funnel type of stuff, right? But it, it's 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 doing really well. In fact, we do this for LinkedIn itself, right? On their own, we help, we market LinkedIn on its own platform and with influencers. And, you know, that stuff, when we benchmark it compared to stuff without influencers is through the roof. It's crazy. Um, and, and then obviously we follow that up with other communications like advertising or whatever that can send people to a form fill of some kind. As we wrap up here, what are your top three or five, whatever those would be, tips for a B2B brand that wants to start with influencer marketing? They're you know, dipping their toe in it or sure. they want to integrate it with 
an upcoming uh, big campaign that they might have? I think one of the most important questions that uh, brands should think about is, do you know who your influencers are? Do you know who's influencing your customers? Um, and you may think you know, but prove it. And so that's the really the first step is to identify who who is actually influencing your customers. So you can use the social media monitoring tool uh, for that, or you can use uh, a tool specifically for influencer marketing, which basically is a social media monitoring tool with lots of other features uh, that are influencer marketing specific added to it um, and, and start to identify those people that are driving conversations um, around topics that are important to your customers and that could create action. Um, look at people who are already evangelizing for your brand in a meaningful way. Look at who your customers who are saying nice things about you. Invite them to make something. This is tip number two. Invite them to collaborate. Invite them to make something. Um, I'm a big fan of a crawl, walk, run sort of attempt at um, content collaboration. So, you know, uh, ask 10 people for a single quote, you know, very easy for them to do. Give a, or even repurpose a comment they already made somewhere and say, hey, we'd like to use this in something. Um, So it's no lift on their part at all, but it gives them great exposure. Go ahead and do that and then follow up with something like an interview or a podcast interview or a LinkedIn Live or something a little more substantial. And then follow up with that with an ebook thing or come speak at our conference or, you know what I mean, and grow the relationship. When the cool thing here is you're developing a relationship, but along the way, in the process of developing the relationship, you're also at the same time creating content. And that content is mutually valuable to the influencer in terms of exposure. Um, and obviously it's influ- it's important or useful to you as a brand because it's creating value for your customer from a source that is trusted, that is credible. And um, obviously on the metric side, before you do any of that stuff, just come on, marketing 101, take your benchmark measurements about where you're starting at and identify you know, obviously what your goals are, but get those tracking URLs in place so that once that content's published and you give it, give URLs to those influencers for sharing that you can track how effective they are. Um, and, and be really thoughtful. The last thing I'd say is be really thoughtful of your, of your communications with those influencers. Um, there's nothing wrong with paying them. It's a great idea. In fact, to pay them, you don't have to pay them a lot of money. And say, look, I don't have any money, but I can pay you 500 bucks. I can pay you 250 bucks. I know it's not much. I know it's like coffee for you for three weeks or whatever because you love coffee. But just, you know, or I mean, I've sent someone we both know and love snowshoes. I just sent them a typewriter, a vintage typewriter, uh, some, some, some mittens. You know, <laughs> I mean, be thoughtful about, you know, incentives or just gifting or anything like that. Um, obviously, they, if they get paid outright, they've got to disclose that you know they've been paid. Um, but just think about what it takes to romance um, and have a long-term relationship, and don't look at it as a one and done. And based on that one thing you did, determine whether the whole thing works or not. That's silly. We're actually as we as we. Uh, come to the end of this episode. We're actually working on a campaign that's exactly based off of that. And same thing, created this list, kind of, you know, created that relationship with 
those, they were mm-hmm. all new influencers based on how we put together that list, mm-hmm. pulled it, you know, reached back out to them, got quotes for an ebook mm-hmm. taken, you know, we had about a third of those people respond, taking mm, that, that's pretty ripping good. that, ripping that into five blog posts. Four of them are doing a LinkedIn live, you know, you just building that. You you said one key piece. I mean, all of it was perfect, but I think it is extremely overlooked. And it's that concept of a surprise and delight gift for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not just necessarily the follow-up at the end. It is important. The thank you is. But two months later, you see that they switch jobs. For no reason, no ask, no nothing. Correct. Even if it's a $25 yes. gift card, send them something yep. saying, hey, just saw you on LinkedIn that you switched jobs. Congrats. It, Happy birthday. It will provide got... benefits. Yep. Absolutely. And, I mean, and the other five brands that they're working with aren't doing that. No, they're not. They're not. And, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. It does take a little bit of project management and thoughtfulness. So have a if you're if you're going to have someone in charge of influencer marketing, make sure they're a they're a good person. <laughs> you know they're a good human being, um, like yourself, and you know that's going to go a long ways. It's going to go a long ways because you know that old adage that people don't buy from brands; they buy from people. You know they don't they buy because they like you and all that. That all emotion plays as much of a part in B2B as it does in consumer purchase. It's different, but it's just as powerful. And a lot of that is facilitated by those people at the brand that communicate with influencers, the way they develop relationships and the way they empower those relationships to go above and beyond the transaction of, if you give me a quote, um, you know, I'll give you 10 bucks. It goes beyond to organic advocacy. And that, you know, word of mouth is the most powerful form um, of advertising or marketing, right? 100%. So tell the audience where they can find you and of course, find Top Rank. Well, they can find Top Rank at toprankmarketing.com. And uh, there we have a blog that's been um, around since uh, late 2003. So we've uh, got a lot of really great information there. You can find me on the socials, L-E-E-O-D-D-E-N, Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Well, not Facebook so much, but Instagram for sure. uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. Those are probably my favorite places to go create and share content and engage with people. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lee. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Influencer Impact. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and rate Influencer Impact. If you have a suggestion, guest for an Influencer Impact, email Justin at justin.levy at gmail.com. Make sure to connect with Justin on Twitter and LinkedIn at Justin Levy.